0: um okay welcome back to talking knicks the knicks are back and we're about to talk about it so i'm here with my good friend tom my brother kenny and let's let's talk knicks all right we're here the knicks are officially the greatest team ever um exciting times in knicks land but before we get into into the greatest times of our life since the Carmelo uh, domination season and Linsanity. Let's let's see how how we're doing on our our personal lives. Tom, how's it going over there?
1: Hey guys, I'm I'm doing real well, and I'm finding it hard to separate my personal life from my Knicks fandom, just because that's how good things have been. Like, I'm I've been watching the games. I've been locked in, and actually enjoying myself for a sustained run for the first time in a while. This has been great. Um, outside of hoops, I'm doing well, guys. I, I, I had a hell of a day climbing today. I got up some walls. You know, I know the audience loves to hear about it. Um, but, yeah, I had one of my best days climbing. I'm, I'm feeling good, and I think part of that is stemming from just all this good energy coming from the New York Knicks nine in a row. I, I would have lost so much money – if I would have bet on this team before the season, and I I would have been happy to. But I'm happier to have not lost the money and to just be talking about it with you guys.
0: Yeah, indeed. Like like you mentioned, the Knicks, they give us life. We're happy when when they make us happy. Uh, and <laughs> We did not anticipate this, which is a large reason why the everyone's favorite sub-podcast, What Else Is On, was born. We were anticipating another season like last year where, we, we wouldn't want to talk about the Knicks because they would be making us sad. So we would have a, a sub-podcast to talk about what else we've been watching. But we don't even need that because the Knicks are so good and we love watching them. And we love talking about them. I mean, we'll still do it. We'll because, still do it. Because everyone loves that sub-podcast. But, but we're having
2: fun even without it. Kenny, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, I got my second shot uh, the COVID vaccine on Friday. So, uh, everyone that I talked to after the second shot, they like were not in great shape the next day. Um, so I fully planned for that and then I felt fine. So, um, it was kind of, a I uh, I was really planning on not doing anything yesterday and then like I was well enough to do stuff. So it was like, uh, should I do stuff? Should I not do stuff? Uh, so I ended up, you know, half the day doing all the stuff i planned to do if i wasn't feeling well which was reading watching tv uh, that good stuff and then at some point i went uh, for a long walk um, over by my apartment and i told you guys that um, there's like a a small hike basically up a mountain um, pretty close to my apartment Um, and at the bottom of it there was a sign and a stack of rocks that just said like take a rock to the top and i was like Guess I'll do that. Like, no real reason at all, but just decided to go for it. And uh, once I once I got to the top, I looked around and didn't see, because uh, the, there was a sign that said, take a rock to the top, like, lay it on the cairn. Don't know what that means. K- C-A-I-R-N, if any of you know, whatever. Uh, so I got to the top, and there was nothing there. Didn't see anything. So, like, I just looked around for a while, and then eventually sat down and just waited for someone else to come up with a rock. And about five minutes later, a lady came up with, like, a little tiny rock. And just, like, event- she saw a little stack of rocks and stacked hers on top. So I went and threw mine in that pile. And I was, I was like, I don't know why I did that. But some basically a sign dared me to do. And, I, and I've and i just been very bored uh, during quarantine. So I was like, why not? And that was it. Good good work. <laughs> good work. Good,
1: good. You climbed to Talk, the top. Talking not, rocks over here. Top. Yeah. Greg, and, how how are you doing, man?
0: I'm good. I had a friend come visit from Boston. He's double vaxxed up. Hadn't seen him since pre-pandemic. Used to hang out regularly. So we had ourselves a day. We had ourselves a day weekend. We went to a Central Park. There was one million
1: people there. <laughs> did, did you count them? I New saw the pictures. It looked like a group. I haven't seen a group that large together in a long time. So New that York? was kind of wild to be a part of.
0: New York, New York is back. Hmm. The Knicks are back and New York City is back and let's let's start talking about it. The Bocker's are in the midst of a, a 9 game winning streak right now. We went 3 and 0 since we last spoke. We had defeated the Pelicans in overtime to finish off the last podcast. Um, this week we defeated the Hornets who are in, in our they're in that 8 spot right now. So they were in our our echelon. Maybe if that that word seems like it, I don't really know how to use it other than to say upper echelon. But well, that seems like a a proper place to use it They're in our our tier of the NBA, seemingly. Then we defeated the the Hawks, who were actually like we jumped them when we beat them in overtime. That was people were saying that was our biggest game since the Pacers series back in the back of the day, because we had a chance to to jump them and really assert ourselves and try to avoid this play-in game and then we finished off this week yesterday by defeating the Raptors who have had a very up and down season mostly down and right now they're they're on down and they're a team we, sh- we should beat and we did that so it was good to see that from us so I mean let's just get into it we our new format is we just talk about the hot topics so Kenny what's what's the hot topic of the week for you
2: so for me, uh, and I've been, and I don't know if it's just related to this week, but just kind of generally over this nine game uh, winning streak. Uh, and I caught it, you caught it again in the Hawks game has just been the resiliency of this team, you know, because they, there have been several comebacks where you're like in past seasons, you shut off the TV. You're like, there's no way that this is happening. Uh, so I'm just going to call it a night. But there have been multiple, you know, second-half double-digit comebacks, fourth-quarter double-digit comebacks. They did it against the Hawks again this week where they were down, I think, 10 at the beginning of the the fourth quarter, and then they came back and won that one in overtime. Uh, they did it earlier in the winning streak. The one that jumps out to me was the the Grizzlies game uh, where they had that, you know, the R.J. Barrett hit the hit the three free throws and then uh, the rebound and go on the length of the court to, to get the t- game-tying, Uh, Layup, and then they won that one in overtime, and that's just something that we have not seen in a long time. And you know, to be honest with you, it's been the complete opposite. Where if we went into the fourth quarter with a lead, you're just waiting for us to blow it. And this season, it's been if we're if we have a deficit in the fourth quarter, like there's a chance that we're gonna we're gonna come back and win this. And there was one game earlier in the this season where I know um, Jake said at the beginning of the fourth quarter, like. He just said we're going to win this game, and that's crazy to think about, because uh, we were losing at the time. And you know, past season, that's that's been the end. And then we came back and won that game. I don't remember which one it was, but that has been such a nice thing to have this season that we haven't had in past seasons. And I'm just really excited about it.
0: Yeah, and like you said, like you can't remember which game Jake was talking about that we won. When in past years you can remember every win individually because there's so few of them, so few and far between. But when you collect nine in a row, I barely even remember the nine teams we beat. But I probably do. So, like, I agree with you. I mean, there was there was times before this streak started. We had a one of our our tough loss to Philly when we were they didn't have Embiid. We were winning by double digits going into the fourth. There we had a, a collapse in the fourth quarter against the Timberwolves that had me worried, like worried that that was that was a problem we had. But this this streak. They've they've been coming back. the The Mem- streak started with the Memphis game, which was a really big a big comeback to to end the fourth quarter, force overtime, and then win it there. Um, the Pelicans game, they made a big comeback. Uh, the Hawks game, they made a big comeback after Trey Young went down. Took advantage of the situation. I think we all we're all well aware that game was was the Knicks were playing great on offense and just getting getting worked on defense until Trey Young went down so that probably wouldn't would have ended the win streak but he did get injured and the Knicks took took advantage of that I mean he got injured pretty late in the third as a 12 point game so the knicks didn't let up even being down 12 against an NBA team without their best players still got to outscore them by 13 in that in that last period of time and the knicks the Knicks won that one by 10 in overtime um, so that was good. I agree. The fourth quarter, the execution down the stretch of this has been been much better a lot of the time. Um, we still get a lot of Julius Randle fadeaway, or sideways fadeaway, basically just shooting the ball over the backboard. That's just like his go-to down the stretch shot, which, <laughs> do whatever you want, Julius Randle. You're the greatest player ever.
1: Hmm. He loves that, that shot on that baseline, on the right baseline there, but yeah, it's funny, because at the beginning of this win streak, when you look to who were who were the crunch time guys, the main one was Alec Burks, like he was the guy running the show at the beginning of this win streak, and it kind of goes to show just how long the Knicks have been playing well because it feels like Burks has been out of the mix for a minute now, and he isn't even a part of the equation when it comes to crunch time. He's not even really he doesn't really seem to be a part of like kind of the Knicks fans thought process when we're talking about down the stretch lately it's just been you know rj barrett has been really good uh, you know derrick rose has been the point guard in a lot of these late game situations it has not been Alfred payton whose minutes have just declined dramatically during this win streak which is you know seemingly seemingly been for the best and then like you said julius Randle, like it's it's obvious to say at this point but just so much of the offense revolves on what he does just him drawing so much attention from defenses, oftentimes attracting double teams, and him making the right play over and over again—it can't be overstated. It's—it's it's just gotten ridiculous at this point. Um, how reliable he is in his production—it's it, absolutely wild. I'm sure we'll talk more about Randall as we go along here, but no, Kenny, it's—it's it's a great point to point out just how how the script has flipped. Like at this point. In the season, we are expecting the Knicks to win close games through execution, through getting defensive stops, and it's even earlier this season they were losing a lot of close games, and it just shows the continual growth and progress this this squad makes.
2: Yeah, and, and like it's it the whole the whole thing, like you said, Alec Burks had been the guy in the fourth quarter, like. Against all odds, because, you know, there have been several games this season where he has not played particularly well in the first half, in the first three quarters even. And then he came back came out firing in the in the fourth quarter and, you know, had a great ended up with a great overall game. RJ's done that a few times um in, over the win streak. Um and it's just been a whole the whole mentality of the team of next man up. You know, Emmanuel quickly is another guy who has had a bunch of very good fourth quarters and and really helped the team get some wins. So every night, a different guy stepping up, and it's just you know this this team is really that it's a team. Uh, whereas you know, I think it's a it's a star league right now, and it's all about getting you know your big two, your big three, whatever it is. And the next whole motto this season has been it's the big fifteen. You know, it's it's a full team of guys who are every one of them is ready to step up any given game and it's it's just you know such such a new york mentality and i i just love it it's it's good stuff yeah and uh to
0: talk about the big 15 next man on mentality that was on full display in the the hawks game when uh taj gibson gets poked in the eye he's out uh Noel gets hits his elbow or something and he goes out for I don't remember how he get injured, but he goes out for a little bit. And Norvell Pell just comes in during the most important stretch of the game um, when when they're down 12. Um, and he just – he holds his own for, for a solid, you know, eight to ten minutes, maybe a shade less until New Orleans Noel comes back into the game. I think if New Orleans Noel didn't come back, Tibbs was about to pe- play Norville Pell for an entire fourth quarter. Because as Kenny's mentioned, he's he loves that traditional center and he plays. Him. So they would have been. Yeah, options. Greg,
1: that's a great point. And like, I mean, I don't remember how many of Pell's nine minutes overlapped with Clint Capella, but I'd imagine several of them, if not all of them. I mean, Capella played almost forty-two minutes that game, and he was a beast. Like he he was really good. He gave us a lot of problems. And like he's just a super aggressive big. And I, I was listening to to Zach Lowe on his podcast. And he and I believe it was Kevin Pelton described Clint Capella as the Hawks' most important player on the season, which was you know pretty shocking given Trey Young's importance to the team. But but obviously Clint Capella has has been good this season and and he showed that against us. He I mean his stat line, he had twenty five points and twenty-two boards. No turnovers. Like He was just a, a total beast against us. So um, the fact that Pell was able to come in and just tread water for us while, the, while um, Noel got healthy, that was, it was massive. And that does go to show that, that next man up mentality you, you're talking about.
0: All right. I think that's, that covers it for, for our, our hot topic from Kenny. Um, I'll go next. I'll, I'll, I'll jump the line ahead of Tom. And I'm going to talk about the, the glue of the Knicks. And I think, I assume, I feel like you guys would guess who I'm about to talk about if I said the glue of the Knicks. I'd guess Reggie Bullock.
1: I just, have two guesses, yeah. I think Bullock was was up there, though. It's
0: It was going to be Reggie Bullock. So, I mean, this guy, this is a guy who, coming into the season, we were, you know, he's probably the main target where we we're saying this guy has enough value, send him for a, a decent second-round pick or two to an actual playoff team. And it happens to be that we're that actual playoff team, and he is he's doing well. Since um I mean, during this entire nine game winning streak, he's been great. Since Alec Burks has been out, he's averaging thirty-eight and a half minutes per game. With fifteen point two points, and he's shooting forty-six percent from three, and that's over six games. He's shooting forty-two percent from three during the entire nine game win streak. And this guy's taking on tough defensive assignments every night, just running around for, well, like I said, 38 and a half minutes. That's that's a lot of time to kill, um, especially when, I mean, the Knicks' backup options at, at the shooting guard are are less or are limited without um, Berks playing because you have Derek Rose and Quickly and Payton who are all uh, point guards by trade. I don't know if I'm missing anything. You have R.J. Barrett as well, obviously, but he usually plays – Alongside um, Bullock, so you know, love the guy. He's he's really shown how important he is to this team. And as Thomas mentioned before, he's got great chemistry with Julius Randall. And every time Randall passes it to him, you think it's about you think it's about to go in.
2: So yeah, and I know they they mentioned that in an earlier uh, an earlier game. That he just set the record, I believe, last game for most consecutive games with two, or, two or more uh, three pointers for the Knicks. I don't know how many that is, um, but he has been shooting the ball extremely well the last few games, and it's just been, you know, this is we, this is what we've been saying for years that you know, in order to maximize a guy like RJ Barrett or a guy like Julius Randle, you need to surround them with shooting in order to space the floor. And Reggie Bullock has done that to perfection this year. He is like, and like you said, particularly since Burks went out, he has been shooting such a high volume of threes, and he's been shooting it so well that it's it really, you know, sets the table for for those guys to be able to do some damage on the inside or or uh, set up other people for, um, you know, just to have more space to operate. And like you said, I think I think it does bring the whole team together. Yeah, and to answer your question, it's fourteen
0: straight games with two or more um, three-pointers.
1: So. Yeah, and Greg, this your your point about Bullock really kind of dovetails with what I was going to bring up as my point, so I could bring up a separate, separate one now uh, or, or later and just kind of dig in here because my point was going to be that the Knicks offense, I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now, the Knicks offense over the last two weeks has been number one in the league, averaging 120 points per 100 possessions. And, I mean, first of all, that's just shocking because like we thought that this Knicks team has been winning based on their defense most of the time, and the fact they have the number one offense in the league over an eight-game stretch is just insane. And a huge part of that has been the three-point shooting. The Knicks actually have the second-best three-point percentage over the last over the the nine-game winning streak. They're shooting nearly forty-two percent from three during this this stretch. And that's ridiculous. A huge part of that is Bullock, but it's a lot of the other guys too. And Kenny, as you were saying, like the whole concern around this offense was the spacing. And just we have all these guys who like to get downhill. R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, they like to get into the paint. They need some space. They don't have the, the tools, the players around them to do it. And this stretch has showed like, these guys can put the ball in the basket. Like These numbers are insane. You mentioned Reggie Bullock. He's averaging nearly eight three-point attempts per game, hitting 43% of them. We have several guys over the 40% mark during this stretch. It's Julius Randle over seven attempts per game, hitting 45%. He's doing it on step backs. He's doing it off the catch, off the dribble in transition, like any way you could possibly think uh, Emmanuel quickly hitting 50% of his threes on four attempts per game. These are absurd numbers. I wouldn't say they're necessarily sustainable, but it does show that like when these guys have confidence, we're able to find shooters. We have guys who can who can drive, who can dish and and break down defenses now and find the open man. It's just it's kind of the antithesis of what I was envisioning this Knicks offense to look like and kind of what the stereotype of it is in that it's it's Julius Randle ISO Julius Randle ISO but even when that's the case Randle's still making the right decision he even when he's in ISO and he, he can still beat his man he can still draw two and he's kicking it to the right guy oftentimes Reggie Bullock um but just the the, the pace of this offense it, it, it's not necessarily the pace it's like just the productivity of this offense has been unreal over this stretch and, and when they're playing like this combine it with their top tier defense they're they're really hard to beat it's, it's pretty amazing yeah
2: we, I know we talked about it before the season that this is not you know this was our biggest concerns when concerned when we hired Tibbs is he historically his teams have not shot the three that much uh, they've been last in three point attempts and that's just not the way that the NBA is going particularly over this streak and i don't have numbers to back this up because i didn't look into them but i feel like they have been launching a lot of threes at a very high um frequency so it's just it's great to see and um you know i you mentioned julius randall and he is he is playing out of his mind and he is shooting the ball out of his mind like you said just like step backs he's stepping into them he's taking like long threes it's amazing and it's amazing and you skipped over in your forty percent shooters over this streak, uh, Alfred Payton, on um, just one point three attempts, but he is over. He's shooting forty one point seven percent on one point three attempts per game uh, during this situation. So, yeah, that was a streak. that was a
1: purposeful omission. I did leave him out, kind of on purpose. But a part of that was because my next thing that I wanted to talk about was was the point guard situation and really the play of Derrick Rose who I mean he's just been such an upgrade from Alfred Payton um, a, a lot of the issues with Payton recently have been high turnovers just an inability to to make plays for other people like he he does the thing that Thibs likes in that he gets into the paint and he does drive he drives the ball a lot he tries to beat his man off the dribble um, but the issue is he's not making the right decisions once he gets there. And I think Derrick Rose, on the other hand, has, I mean, his, his floater game has been on point. He's hes really shooting the ball well from two. Not so much from three, but that's been okay. You know, he, he's hitting from mid-range as well, and he's just, he's averaging four assists per game to just one turnover. That's, that's a great ratio he's got going on here. And hes he's looking like, a guy that we would have never expected, especially after our one year with Rose um a couple seasons ago, this is a different player. like he's just so much smarter on the offensive end, and he's so much more engaged defensively It's hard to overstate how important Derek Rose has been. Um, I know as far as like plus minus goes, he's either one or two on the team for the season. Um, and he's just been that valuable. I don't know have you guys what what do you guys think about rose's play over the, over this win streak?
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, in that, so he's actually shooting thirty six and a half percent from three, which is a uh, almost a career high. He, he had shot thirty or thirty seven percent from three in one season with the Timberwolves. So even that's like that's serviceable. Especially when you're talking about Derrick Rose, who you're not thinking it's going to be a shooter, but he's been knocking them down, and he's he's confident. And then I think in that that Hawks game. I think it was. He just he carried us, uh, for for a long long stretches of the game, to to start, and then also for the the Hornets game, um, quickly was like he was balling, um, and he was in in the fourth quarter, but and like he missed a three, he missed a floater, and I was I was sitting there watching, telling my roommate like they need to put in Derrick Rose right now, that he needs to to take control of this offense and and finish off the game. And then they did. And I was like, nice. This is this is exactly what we need. We trust this guy. He's he's a veteran now and then and he he, he knows his role more than more than anybody on the team outside of maybe Reggie Bullock. But it seems like everybody knows their role actually, so that's but it's, it's a great good.
1: point on on Rose, just like being. I described him on on Twitter. He's just such a pro. Like he's he looks so comfortable out there. Nothing's gonna rattle him, right? Like he's a guy who is supremely confident in his abilities, having been the the MVP when he was 22 years old. Um, nothing's gonna rattle him, right? There there's no defenses that he hasn't seen before, and he just looks so comfortable out there. And and he does make it look easy. He he's. When he turns on the Jets, he's still super impressive athletically, but I'm I've been most impressed with him finding other guys and getting other guys going. It's particularly the young guys, it seems like he really puts an emphasis on finding Obi Toppin when they share the floor together on finding quickly. He he seems to have like a real kind of knack for, for getting those guys into positions to succeed. And that's just something I, I really appreciate. And it's just contrasted so much. I'm not trying to pile on Alfred Payton here, but that's not something that Peyton does in any way, shape, or form. It oftentimes seems like Peyton is is not looking for R.J. Barrett. That That's kind of been, especially in transition, it just seems like Peyton kind of gets tunnel vision these days, which is not something we had seen from him last season as much. So I don't know what's going on with this regression in Peyton's play, but Derrick Rose has has more than stepped in.
2: Yeah, and I think you guys have touched on pretty much all of my points as well, but he's just been such a calming presence um, down the stretch and he's he's a guy who can get a bucket when you need him to get a bucket like he's just so good at getting to the rim and I think we talked about it last week but when he had the um the drive at the end of the game and the kick to Bullock to tie the game like that was just such a great play and he he's really killing it he's he's killing it all season
1: yeah, yeah that was against the Pelicans obviously Lonzo Ball mm-hmm. should not have bit on that you know I think all of us when, when Derrick Rose drove, when he, when he got past the three-point line, and the Knicks desperately needed a three, I know I was out of my seat. Like, what are you doing? It, it could have ended kind of disastrously, but he, he expected that Lonzo Ball's kind of basketball instincts to protect the rim and not give up a wide-open layup would kick in, and that's what, that's what happened, and, and Rose made the perfect play. So, you know, kudos to him helping to send that one into overtime.
0: And then also... Derek Rose, uh, with the Knicks this year, has played 25 games, and he scored double digits in 20 of them, which is very impressive coming from a a backup point guard. And three of those uh, non-double-digit performance were in his first six or or seven games. Uh, I just had it up, and then I closed it to open.
1: (laughs) open I mean, do you guys think he should be starting at this point?
0: I mean, when you have... um, Quickly, to to cover up forty eight minutes between those two, um, it seems like you would be able to 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 cut out Alfred Payton from the the point guard mix, or at least at the very least put give him like the same number of minutes you give Obi Top and just a, a quick rest for for somebody to start the second quarter. So it's a it's a thought. Um, I think that like come the playoffs when. Everything tightens up, but I mean, you—if that's what you're going to do in the playoffs, you should probably test it out now. But also, we're in the middle of a nine-game winning streak, so do you test? Do you change stuff now? It's—he's it's, definitely better than Alfred Payton, as is Emmanuel quickly. Uh, so I guess yes, one of them should start.
2: Yeah, and I think they've just been—they've been doing such a good job of, um, you know, keeping—and I think that's part of the reason is just keeping their minutes down. And, because I know, you know, Derek Rose has an injury history. Um, and I think when he came in, they were saying he was probably going to be, you know, the 20 to 25 minutes a game. And I think he's at least during the streak above that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm fine with potentially, you know, maybe we start quickly because the re- and the reason that we didn't start quickly earlier in the year is because when quickly was, um, on, when quickly wasn't coming off of the bench, the bench had no ability to score. But now with Derek Rose, uh, his ability to get to the rim and kind of set up his teammates—that you know creates a whole new option.
0: Yeah, and if, you, if you, when you get Alec Burks back, then you have Quickly and Alec Burks coming in together. So, or no, no,
2: Burks and Rose. Rose,
0: Sorry, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's and and I mean, Payton hasn't been great during this stretch. I think Kenny has a, a stat, a fun fact or a not so fun fact for us. But also, in his defense, he has not been like the Alfred Pagan we've we've seen earlier in this year, who's just like dreadful. There's been a couple clunkers in this stretch by him as well, but I, I'm going to defend him and say he's been perfectly okay for 75% of this stretch, which is above average for him.
1: Well, and I think a lot of that, that notion that he's been perfectly okay has been in part due to a willingness from Tibbs to sit him. Yeah, I feel like earlier in the season he would just ride Peyton for a lot of minutes, um, much to our chagrin. And I think that now it, it, he doesn't feel so beholden to playing Peyton during crucial minutes. He kind of goes with the hot hand, and the hot hand has not been Peyton, and so it kind of like has has worked itself out that way. But I do think it's a, it's a more it's probably more of a rotation thing than a Peyton's play thing. Um, but either way. Like you said, it's a 9 game winning streak. It's hard to argue for a lo- that a lot of tinkering should be done right now, you know, lineup wise, rotation wise, but you know, the numbers are bearing out this th- this situation where where Peyton's minutes are usually negative. And so at some point th- the streak will end, and at that point it may be time to revisit some of the, the minutes distributions. I don't expect that to happen. I think that's kind of like a fandom, you know, like it's almost like fan fiction over here. We're all talking about it, excited at the possibility of it. Even come playoff time, I think that that Tibbs is just the kind of guy who's going to roll with his vets, who, who wants that, you know, that stable, he sees Peyton as a stable presence. And so uh, it would surprise me if he were completely excised from the rotation. I would expect him to kind of get the same amount of minutes he's getting now, uh, come the postseason, Yeah. And, and
2: I know,
0: to you know, quickly, I'll to mention quickly, um, in the, during the nine game winning streak, Albert Payton has played over 20 minutes only twice in the, the Lakers game and the Dallas game. But other than that, he's been, been under, under 20. And most recently yesterday, he played 14 minutes and 44 seconds. So that was, the, that was his low of this, this streak. So, like Tom said that the minutes are definitely changing for Peyton.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, that Tibbs, you know, his big thing is defense. And I, I think that he has a lot of faith in Alfred Peyton as a defender. Um, I know his offense hasn't been there and, you know, there've been a lot of times this season where, and particularly in the last few games where he makes a nice move, gets to the bucket and then throws up an air ball. And it's just, it's tough to see. And, um, you know, Greg, Greg hinted at a stat that I have for you guys, um, that I'll I'll choose to throw out now, uh, just because we're talking about the point guard situation and, and quickly and Rose and and all of that. But during this nine game winning streak, uh, Emmanuel quickly has a plus minus of plus ninety seven. Derek Rose has a plus minus of plus seventy seven, and Alfred Payton is the only player on the team with a negative plus minus of negative seven.
0: It's tough to do in a nine game winning streak to beep -7 when when the team overall has been plus in, in nine straight games.
1: I uh, mean especially when you're playing with the starters, right? Like you're playing yeah. with the best players on the team at the at the fir- you know in the after the tip and then to open the second half. And I was just going to say because I think it's connected it's become very evident a, a pattern in RJ Barrett's play where he just really seems to struggle in the first half and and kind of turns it on in the in the second half particularly it's been it's it's happened in the third quarter but also a lot a lot of times in the fourth quarter and I just wonder if playing with Peyton to start the game is just contributing to his getting off to a slow start i i, I wonder about it because it does seem like Peyton first of all he doesn't really find anybody I don't like he he just doesn't really look to pass that much. I have shown several examples on my Twitter feed of him. Either ignoring or just completely missing R.J. Barrett, who, who's been wide open at times, and it's got to be frustrating for Barrett to play with that. So I don't know. I, I do wonder if his slow starts have been in part because of, of sharing the court with Peyton. What do you guys think about that?
2: It's it's definitely a question, and it's a it's a good question to raise because you know I and I'd have I'd love to to look into the the actual time distribution in the second half and you know potentially he's he's playing less minutes with Peyton there but I know like you mentioned there's a whole thing on Twitter about you know just every game someone will post a video that's like look at RJ Barrett wide open for the three here Alfred Payton drives that way and just doesn't pass it to him so you know I I I, I don't want to pile on Alfred Payton too much but um you know RJ Barrett I think there's a special place in his heart or in our hearts for for him at this point, just because he is that, you know, second year guy that we drafted that's, you know, our guy and we want, you know, we want him to get every opportunity to succeed as possible. And Alfred just seems to not have good chemistry with him, um, to put it as lightly as possible. Yeah. To to I'll end on a positive note with with Alfred
0: Payton. He had one of the my favorite plays of the season against that, the Hawks, so he had a a little floater in the lane, um, finished it, and then Trey Young had a little lazy inbound that uh, whoever he passed it to was lazily passing it back, and Peyton, uh, he snuck in, stole the ball, and he was feeling himself. He did some fancy dribbling for a second, and then he drove baseline, and he, he did a, a very tough pass, sending it. Sing the ball was right along the baseline to Bullock to hit a three, and the garden was rocking. I'm sure, and that that was a a, a very quick five zero run in the midst of I, th- I think it was a longer run than five
1: zero. Yeah, no, that was an awesome play, and I know Kenny pointed out as well on Twitter that that Peyton would like turned towards the the Hawks bench to talk trash while the ball was still in the air, while while Bullock shot was still in the air before he even dropped. So he was like that confident that it was going to go down. It was, that was a really cool sequence. And, um, yeah, I'm, it's a good call to end on a positive note. This is a nine game winning streak. We're going to keep saying it. We're kind of just talking about a lot of the fringe stuff. Cause some of the more obvious reasons for the, the winning is like, you know, it's, <laughs> it almost goes without saying, I know that we have, we're going to get to a mailbag here pretty soon. And, um, I don't know if we want to Greg, if we want to kick that off here now, but I, uh, I mean, I'll jump into it. I know one of the questions was where in the MVP rankings would we put Julius Randle? And I think that's a, that's a great spot to, to really talk about Randle's contribution here because we haven't really sung his praises quite to the degree that he deserves. We could talk about his step back threes, his isolation play, his finding the right guys as much as we want. But in the context of the league, where, what do you guys think? Um, where does Randle's play stack up? in the MVP race. And, and pardon me for not crediting the question to the right Twitter user. Kenny, you may have that information.
2: I do. And that's, that's Hoodie O'Neill. Hoodie O'Neill. Uh, it's a Paul O'Neill. He's not actually in a hoodie in the, the avatar, but it's a Paul O'Neill picture in his avatar.
1: Well, thank you for your question, Hoodie O'Neill. And uh, I think it's a good one. Where do you guys think he stacks, where Randall stacks up in the MVP race?
2: So I actually have the odds, the Vegas odds from I think it's Vegas Insider uh, here in front of me. And right now, Julius Randle is tied for ninth with Chris Paul. And um, I'll list, you know, the, the people ahead of him. And then I guess I guess we can talk about that. But I have I have feelings about some of them. Um, LeBron James. Uh, so Julius Randle and Chris Paul are both 150 to one. LeBron James is 45 to one. Luka Doncic is 45 to one. Damian Lillard is 33 to one. James Harden is 25 to one. Giannis Antetokounmpo is 20 to one. Steph Curry is 17 to one. Joel Embiid is 34 to 10. And Nikola Jokic is the heavy favorite at 10 to 36. Um, and you know, I have, you know, it's, it's tough. Uh, to say this, because I think we have a rooting interest in um, Joel Embiid, who is currently second, but both him and LeBron James have missed 19 games in a 72-game season, which is you know very close to the 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 most games missed in a MVP season was Bill Walton, who missed 24 games in an 82-game season. Um, that's roughly equivalent to missing 21 games in a 72 season. So. And you know it, it doesn't look like LeBron James is going to be big, back in the next few games, and you know Joel Embiid presumably is uh, is in good health and could finish the season. So
0: that's some that's some impressive research.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was uh, Tom was playing darts before the game, so I had time to to look stuff up. Um, but I'm I'm thinking that both of those guys, I don't know, you know if I want to rule them out for those reasons, James Harden has also missed 14 games and they, the Nets announced, I think yesterday or or last week that he had a a setback uh, and he's not going to be back for a while. So those, those are three guys who missed a lot of games.
1: That's Uh, all right. And Kenny, I will just say real quick, um, you alluded to our rooting interest in Joel Embiid and that's because we have a rookie card, a graded rookie card of his that we are hoping to, uh, to skyrocket in value and then flip for for a quick dollar. That's and we had the opportunity to purchase Nikola Jokic. We being me, I I did yeah. and I um I just kind of faltered. I just it happens, I did
0: We were already invested in in two cars and then you know we're we're just we're just getting into it. So where does it end? You know, we buy the Jokic car and then we're we're looking at these odds. We end up with with a you know we'd have to buy. 10 plus cards, so it's, a, it's all, all's fair in
2: love and loving trading cards, so. So, I guess to to get back to the question of where I'd rate Julius Randle is, I think he's top five because I kind of want to rule, you know, those three out potentially of Harden Embiid, and Bede uh, and James just based on the amount of games they missed. And then, like, Steph Curry, I I know he's going off. I know he's having a great season, but, like, his team is not that good. And, you know he is significantly higher on this list than Julius Randle is, accepting the fact that if he was not on that team, that would be a very bad team. But, like, also I think if Julius Randle was not on this team, the Knicks would be a very bad team. So, you know, I I think I have him ahead of Curry. You know, Antetokounmpo, Lillard, you know, they're both, they're both, I think, like, right right at that same level. Doncic is another one. Um, That team is underperforming, and I think he has – you Know a fair amount of talent around him, so like I think I have Jokic, Anta Tacumpo, Lillard, and Chris Paul, and Julius Randle as my top five. So, so you're saying top five that's
0: that's
2: high praise. High praise. Um, I and I mean, I, I, and I, have, I think obviously I'm biased and I did yeah. some you know mental math to get rid of some of these guys, but like it without Julius Randle, this team is not good, and right now they're they're looking great.
1: Yeah, Kenny, I mean, you made the point that that Steph's Warriors aren't that good. And I just looked at the record. They're 500. And in my head, I was like, oh, the Knicks have been, you know, hovering around that. I remember we got were super pumped when they were above 500. And then you factor in their win streak. They're seven games over 500. It's not even close anymore. Like, it, the, the Knicks record completely blows away the Warriors record. So that's not even a conversation to your point. So I think that's a good call um, in, in terms of, arguing for Randall over Steph. I am looking at Basketball References MVP Award Tracker and it ranks candidates based on a model that they built using previous voting results and it has Jokic at 1 at at a 57% probability and then a bunch of other guys. They've got Harden, Giannis, Kawhi, they've got Gobert up here at number 5. But Randall, they don't even have in the top ten. I'm very dubious of Basketball References Tracker is what I'm gonna get to. Steph Curry isn't in the top ten. Joel Embiid isn't in the top ten. It's it's a very bizarre list. Kyrie Irving is number six. I I don't know what to really make of that. Jimmy Butler is number eight, despite that team barely being over five hundred. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess all this to say, maybe don't look at Basketball References MVP <laughs> Tracker because I think it's kind of worthless. I don't, I don't buy that Randall isn't in the top ten. I think that's a ludicrous assertion. So I'm closer to five than than ten probably. I I, I haven't ranked the guys in my head, but I'm in that sort of five to seven range myself for him. Yeah, I think I'm.
0: I'm probably around the eight range, you know. I'm not. I'm not ready, but I'm. I'm not ready to cut out James Harden and, and Joel Embiid because I mean they've just been so unbelievable this year. So I'll, I'll keep them up, and especially if like the Sixers end up with the one seed. Um, they'd be be impressive by Joel. Um, so I would have Embiid, Giannis. Harden, Jokic, Luka, you know, then... then, So maybe six. Or maybe I'll put him six in my mind. Because, I mean, it's tough with teams like the Jazz and the the Suns where you have, you know, Gobert and Mitchell, or you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker, so you don't even know. Yeah, because James, James Harden doesn't have that. Yeah, that's fair. But James Harden's also been unbelievably unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's and Durant
1: that's... really hasn't played that much, so like he hasn't really been able to benefit from all that. Like I understand the case for James Harden, the other thing is just that his Houston games are part of the equation as well. And yep. he really tanked the franchise when he was there. Like that team was absolute garbage. His numbers were fine, but they didn't contribute to winning in any way. And that was a a hefty part of his of his season and a part of his resume. So I I do Doc Harden a little bit for that that's not to say that Randall deserves to be above him necessarily, but you know, there, there are other guys. I'm always partial to Kawhi Leonard whose, whose team has been, you know, they're 43 and 19. He's averaging 26 points, 6.7 boards, five assists, just a couple turnovers, like half of the turnovers that Randall averages. I mean, Kawhi Leonard granted, he also has Paul George, who's been incredible this season. So um, there, there's that part of it as well. Um, I don't know. I like, Doncic, you mentioned Greg. I, I I see the case for it. His numbers are ridiculous too, um, and they're also seven games over five hundreds in the West, which is which is a tough thing to do. So I I get that one. Um, yeah, I, I think eight is a pretty clear-eyed ranking as well. So I'm not going to quibble about any of this. All the, all of this to say is that the Randall Randall's offense as Randall goes, the Knicks offense goes like that's pretty much it. There's, there's very little else kind of schematically involved with the Knicks offense. It is really just hinging on Randall creating advantages himself and making the right decision. And the fact that he's able to do so, so consistently, like that's, there are other guys in the league. that are like that. And Randall's one of them. So he, that's why he's in this conversation.
0: Yeah. And just to, To say Randall's stats, which we didn't even mention, he's averaging 24 points, 10.5 and a half rebounds, and six assists on on the season. And um, you know, Curry has has his recent hot stretch of of sharp shooting has been a, a big reason why he's jumping up um, in these polls. But during the Knicks' nine game win streak, Randall's averaging 30 points per game, so. It's it's amazing. He's what he's doing right now in this nine-game win streak in New York. That, you know, it's it's a lot about the storyline at the right time when it comes to to being the MVP. So, he's got the story for sure. I'll put his story ahead of James Harden's. Now that Tom has has brought that to my attention, and I'll I'll bump him up to seven. So we're all in the five to seven range, I believe.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think at some point I meant to mention this earlier, but we've. We've talked about docking guys like LeBron and Embiid for their missed games. I mean, I think LeBron's just kind of missed so many of these out of the conversation at this point, but he was heavily involved earlier. Um, But we're talking Julius Randle leads the league in minutes played, and it's not even close. So, you know, I'm I'm not for, like, giving him the MVP because he's played more. Like, that's not really what the award's about. But at some point, the fact that he's been – there and so consistently there and available like that it if there's a tie then that helps you with a tiebreaker. you know what i mean and i
2: think durability definitely has to factor in because like you know we've talked about how many games some of these other guys have missed and julius randall has missed one game and has played just out of his mind and consistently he's he's in there day in and day out in that lineup and you know that's there is something to be said about that as they say, the best ability is availability.
1: That's what he's mm. got. I've heard yeah. that. I've heard that. Yeah. I mean, it's you good. are of no value to your team if you are not playing. Other, so that's just other a than fact.
0: Alfred Payton, as we've mentioned on this pod. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just—we're just having fun. I think Kenny, you got the the next question. We got
2: the next question. Um, who? who do the Knicks want to see in the first round of the playoffs? Uh, and the this is from Ken NYG at Life NY, NYG. So he seems like a Giants fan who is also a Knicks fan. Who y'all want to see in the first round at home? I'm, I mean, my, uh, my initial thoughts, and uh, it's a cop-out, is I don't really care. Um, I am just so excited to be in the playoffs. Uh, let me, let's me let take a look at the NBA standings right now.
1: Yeah, my, my gut instinct was also I don't care, but that's probably not... I mean, first of all, it doesn't make for good podcasting, so let's start caring. All right, um, so... I, I, I will say, if the, if the season... Is, yeah, Kenny, go ahead. Yeah,
2: currently, the Knicks are in fourth place. They would be playing the Hawks, uh, who are a half a game behind them. The Celtics are two games behind the Knicks in sixth, then the Heat in seventh. Uh, I guess they're tied sixth and seventh. Then the Hornets, Pacers, Wizards... Bulls and Raptors are all in the equation um, in that twelve to uh, twelve to nine range. Um, so any of those teams grab you. I mean, I don't, I don't know. The Knicks do have a tough stretch. They could fall if they overperform. It, it seems unlikely that they'll be able to jump the Bucks, who are four games ahead of them in third. Um, so I think all of those those teams are probably within the realm of possibility. I- before this last Hawks game, I would definitely would have said the Hawks to
0: you, but that just seemed like such a such a struggle, and like you thought that they were going to make adjustments at halftime and figure something out, but it just it didn't work. And um, like I said, we would have lost that one. Um, we also lost recently to the Celtics, and the Heat beat us three times this year. But um, of those three teams. I think that the Celtics is probably who I would pick. They, they've been not clicking. They just went on a little bit of a, a winning streak, and then they lost three out of four. So they, it's it just hasn't happened for them. But if they get Kemba going, they get Jalen Brown's been amazing. Jason Tatum is their best player. So they they have star power. So I, I don't know. I'm talking yeah. myself talking myself out of that pick right as I say this because it's come playoff time, there's only one ball. I think got three stars.
2: Yeah, and I think the the Hawks, the Celtic the, the Celtics and the Heat both have star power. Um the Hawks I think are on the next the next tier down. Um after that, you know, the Hornets and the Pacers both seems like seem like teams that I'd be, you know, up for playing. Um the Pacers in particular. Uh,
1: you know, the but it's we- just
0: it, the other thing is how. That's not even how would the Knicks play the Pacers in the first round.
1: I uh, said so we might need to snag that one seed if we're going to play the Pacers. That's going to be a tough get. Um, I mean, it, it,
2: no, I guess I guess it, that I mean that would be a play-in game situation. So you're right. So never mind. Um, but I guess so. I guess we're we're probably looking at the Knicks in the four to four to seven range. Yeah, um, we're trying to avoid think, that playing at all costs. Yeah, so you know, I, I think it's I think the options pretty much are Hawks, Celtics, or Heat.
1: Right, because so you, you don't want to play the you don't want to play the Bucks, right? Like you don't want to drop down to that. Yeah, that six seed play the Bucks, and you want nothing to do with the Sixers and Nets. So yeah, I, those are kind of your options. Are really the, the the Hawks, Celtics, Heat, and I mean the Hawks. What what scared me a little bit about them was the fact they had so they also had a lot of injuries that they were dealing with. Right. I think DeAndre Hunter has been really good for them, but he was out in this game. Um I mean Cam Reddish, I don't know how good he's been this season, but I know he was also out. Those are two giant wings. Um and just the fact that Trey Young creates so many problems for us. You know, Alfred Payton, for as much as he's billed as a defensive player, I I think he doesn't really have the answers defensively against Trey Young. Um Neither does Derrick Rose probably not Emmanuel quickly either. I, like Frank is the guy who you'd want to guard Trey Young, but that's just not going to happen in a playoff setting, I don't think. So that that's just a tough matchup for us. Um, with, with the Celtics, you mentioned the star power with with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and and you know Kemba has kind of picked it up. I'm looking at the the Celtic stats over the last ten games. Kemba's played in seven of their last ten games. He's averaging twenty points. Six assists, six boards. So he's starting to come around a bit himself. Um, starting to get to the free throw line a little bit more too, which is a good barometer for Kemba. the The Celtics are are scary. I, they're not deep. They have really no depth at all. After that, after kind of like Marcus Smart as their fourth best player, maybe you look at at Robert Williams as their as their fifth guy. But beyond that, there's no one on that roster that really scares me. Tristan Thompson, I think at this point in his career, is not. Even as good as nerland's Noel, so that matchup doesn't frighten me. You know, the Clint Capella matchup with the Hawks is is scarier. So I don't know. Defensively, you guys think we match up well with uh, uh, on the wing with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? I, I like it's it, it's R.J. I'd, Barrett uh, maybe defending one of those guys, probably Jalen Brown, and then Reggie Bullock on Tatum. I think is how we would probably match up there. The um,
2: the the tandem yeah. of Jalen Brown um, and and Tatum, um, I don't really like. I, that's not something I'd love to see. And and Julius, uh, not Julius. Uh, Jimmy Butler is another guy that I don't really want to see. So I think I'm I'm firmly in on the Hawks, even though like as you said, we the the matchup wasn't great the last time. But I think I think that just the talent on the other team scares me a little bit. And maybe yeah, it's-, it's
1: talent, maybe it's experience too. You know, the Celtics have made it with this group, or certainly like Tatum and Brown have made it to an Eastern Conference Finals. The heat made it to the finals in the bubble. Uh the, the Hawks haven't proven it in the postseason, so I think that that could be a, an answer there too. The
0: the other part of it, you're talking about are do we think we can match up with, you know, Tatum and Brown, but the Celtics have they got nobody to guard Julius Randle. If they're relying on, you know who are they relying on? Robert Williams to try to guard him or I don't even know who yeah, there. Marcus Smart would be guarding Julius Randle. It just it just wouldn't work for them.
1: So. Yeah, it's like Jalen Brown, who's just as strong as he is. He's not big enough. Like no way. And I I do think I, I remember Brown being matched up on on Randall a little bit. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so you're right. Yeah, the, you have to look at it from the other perspective too. And they don't have the they don't have the guy to to really D up on Randall. though there are not many guys in the league who match up well proportionally to Julius Randle, who's just so big. So strong and fast and and skilled, given that size, uh, it's it's really remarkable. So uh, you know there aren't many guys. One of those guys
0: know. is probably Bam Adebayo. Yep. So that's yeah, that's why, a problem. That's where one we'll we'll cut out the heat. So I think it's a we're, great point. We're, we're, I think we're getting close to agreeing on the Hawks, despite our our difficulties during three quarters of the game the other day. But I, I mean, also- look.
1: If Mitch were healthy, I think that Capella would be a, a much less of an issue. I think Mitch does a much better job of like splitting the difference on on pick and roll, on pick and roll defense, um, and he's just a much bigger body. Like you look at Mitch and Noel stand next to each other, it is striking how much b- bigger, taller, wider Mitchell Robinson is versus Nerlens Noel. So I I just don't think Clint could really like push any push Mitch around, but. I don't think we really have a timetable for Mitchell Robinson's return, which is kind of my hesitation there. But you you know, you're in the playoffs; you have to you have to match up against somebody. It's gonna be somebody good. So I think kind of the lesser of all evils is probably the Atlanta Hawks squad.
0: I think that's fair. I think we've we've come to consensus, and we'll accept we like the Hawks, but we'll accept the Celtics. The heat
1: the heat would be tough, you know, like Jimmy Butler could. Could shut down R.J. Barrett, who's our second leading scorer, and Adebayo would be a problem. As much as there is a problem in the league, for Randall, like you said, it's Adebayo. So, you know, those are our two top guns. That would be that'd be a tough matchup, no question.
0: Okay. So, what's our? We got one more question.
2: So the last question is coming to us from Isaiah Bermudez. I don't know if I said that right. It's at Isaiah 2740. And his question is, do you think that the winning ways and change of culture can lure in a big free agent this coming off season? And uh, I took the liberty again, because Tom was playing darts to to write down some of the uh, free agents and and potential free agents this upcoming season. And I think, you know, the, It's not a big free agent offseason this year. Um, The only potential guy is Kawhi Leonard, who has a player option. And, you know, the the Clippers have been good. But maybe if they get knocked early, he, you know, bounces out of that situation and sees if he can he can find something else. And that that would be exciting. Um, I I do think that, you know, regardless of what happens this offseason, the change of culture is definitely a help, Um, you know, whether it actually lands them a free agent or not. Who knows? Um, but like I said, there's there's the one big big name free agent, and then I think the way that this team is built, the only other options really are you're probably going to do what you did this year with a couple of good guys to try to fill out the roster and then maybe aim for one of the point guards who are, you know, Chris Paul, Lowry, Conley, Lonzo Ball um, are all options. But I think other so, than that, there's – actually, a Lowry-DeRozan thing would be, would be fun. I don't know if that's actually a possibility, but I think that would be fun. Um, but – I just don't know what it what it looks like. What do you guys think?
0: yeah, I think they could definitely entice someone to come in. I know chris Paul's got a forty four million dollar player option, so i don't I don't think he'll be a free agent uh, and i th- I mean well last time we were we were like this, we were able to bring in you know Tyson Chandler, who was you know a pretty marquee free agent during that summer so i I think like i mean as you mentioned, the options aren't great, but I, you could see a guy like DeMar DeRozan getting a big one- or two-year deal from the Knicks and you know just seeing what he can do. But the way the Knicks are built, we got to re-sign a lot of our guys. You're going to see, I, I assume, Reggie Bullock get paid. Um, Alfred Payton, probably going to be the the one guy they let go. Derek Rose, you have to re-sign. If you want to bring back Burks, you got to re-sign him. Nerland Snowell, you'd have to re-sign him. And All these guys are going to be a commodity, so I don't even know what the money's going to look like, and I, I assume they'll extend Randall, uh, pay him more. So uh, as much as there'll there'll be enough money for what they what they want. I mean, Kawhi's not going to come here, like you said, the 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 crop isn't good enough. But we can get a Tyson Chandler quality person to come, I believe. Tyson Peak, Tyson Chandler.
1: Yeah, I mean, DeRozan's an interesting one, Kenny. I feel like that signing would probably get panned by like a, a lot of analytics folks in the media and probably even a lot of fans for, for going after the the big name free agent um, who maybe doesn't arguably doesn't contribute as much to winning as a lot of people would like. But as maybe some of you, I know you guys know, I've always been kind of a DeRozan defender. Um, I think, you know, I, I think his game is a little underrated and he, in San Antonio, he's been the de facto point guard for them. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know his assists per game are, you know, probably in that six, seven, you know, maybe over seven range. And I think that's an interesting fit with someone like quickly where DeRozan can kind of be that, that big point guard and facilitator and, um, and quickly can play a little bit more off ball, you know, compare DeRozan's fit next to say Randall and Barrett and those guys versus Peyton's it's it's certainly not worse like he's a DeRozan's a much better passer and a much more capable finisher and he's got much better mid-range games so you know just looking at it from that perspective I could see some of the fit there from DeRozan Um, I I wouldn't want to sign him to like some long-term deal but I would I'd be curious to see what that looks like I think that the more maybe rational move would be someone like Mike Conley, who's kind of just more of a game manager who can, who can play on or off ball, who can hit threes, he can hit pull-ups, can still get into the, into the teeth of the defense. I mean, he's the point guard on the best team in the league right now, right? He's one of the most important players on that team. So, uh, he still has some game left. He, he'll probably be looking for a more of a long-term deal. Given his injury history, he's going to want someone to probably overpay him. So that could be, that could be difficult, but, um, I don't know. I, I feel like DeRozan would be a, kind of an interesting one for me.
0: Yeah. I think that wraps us up our thoughts on the, the topic, and we'll see what happens as the, as the summer comes up. But first, we've got to win the championship. And so that leads us to our predictions for next week. We've got three games coming up. We're on a nine-game winning streak. We're facing off against the number two seed in the West, the Phoenix Suns, on Monday. They're coming off a loss to Brooklyn today. Uh, so this will be the second night of a back-to-back for them. Then we're playing the Chicago Bulls. Um, I don't know if Levine will be back yet or not. And then Houston Rockets at Houston, and that will start our last road trip of the season, which is when things get a little hectic. So I think we'll have we'll have an easier time predicting this one than next week when when things get uh get tough. So, Kenny, I'll well, let you lead us off. Well, we're I was saying, I, I don't know
1: when we're going to tape this because, like, that that Houston game is it's on Sunday, 8 p.m., so it's going to be a late finish, so we might not you – know, it depends when we record because, again, then the following day, there's a Monday night game. we got that Sunday and Monday back-to-back. So we'll see which games we actually cover in our next yeah. <laughs> podcast. But before we even get to predictions, I do want to pat ourselves on the back here, Kenny, because last week you pushed – for a 3 and 0 prediction. I was a little skeptical, but I ultimately agreed and said, "All right, let's get that 9 game winning streak, 3 and 0." And and that's what happened. So we are rarely correct, and it happens so rarely that we need to point it out when it happens. So kudos to us Kenny for for predicting it correctly.
2: Yeah, and I think going into to this week, the the Knicks are going to lose eventually, but until it happens, I'm not going to predict a loss. So I'm going 3 and 0 again just cuz I'm not. I'm not going to be the one who blows it for us. I like that attitude.
0: I mean, we we're we we're even if you didn't have that attitude, you would have picked a win against the Bulls and the Rockets. So it really comes down to what we think the Suns are going to do. And they're coming off the second night of a back to back, and the Knicks have had two days off since their last game. So this is pretty much like the perfect time to meet up with the Suns. So stars are aligning. I'm, I'm going to go and agree with you three and zero.
1: Oh, the Suns, Stars, I like that. That's good. Um, I, di- I didn't mean to do that, but yeah. Okay. Um, That's a pun. We always find consensus on this podcast. We all agree. And it can, I mean, again, I don't know when we're going to record the next one, but regardless, we're saying that the next three games, the Knicks are going to go 3-0 and and have a 12-game winning streak. That's what's going to happen. And if we don't
0: record after that we're going to predict a win against the the grizzlies as kenny has mentioned so until further notice we're predicting wins from the knicks
1: i love it yeah i'm in
0: all right i mean i think i i think we've had a long one but maybe we'll do a a little quick hitter on what everybody's been watching what else is on because it's the the hottest sub podcast in the streets i personally finished up new girl finished up season six which I consider the end. Um, And then I've watched a few episodes of Portlandia. Weird show. Um, Weird entertaining, but it's just, that's me. That's what I've been watching. You guys, you don't have to watch Portlandia, but if you like funny stuff that's weird and maybe not funny, then you would like it.
1: It's very hit or miss. It (laughs) is so weird. I've
2: seen a little of Portlandia, and yeah, uh, that's a weird show. Um, I, I guess i'll I'll throw out what I've been watching. Um th- this has been a week of finishing stuff for me i I finished my my vaccines. Um, I just finished uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Again, uh, I talked to Tom about that. It's a good, good Marvel show if you're into Marvel shows. Um, not not watching, but reading. I just finished the seventh Harry Potter book in my first time since reading reading those since I was a child. Um, so that's that's another thing. and then, I just got back into New Girl um, because my girlfriend decided to watch a bunch of episodes without me, and she's not the type of person who could go back and watch them, but I had some free time by myself, so I watched a bunch of episodes of that, and it's good. It's still good.
1: New Girl's an excellent show. It is just, it's the ultimate hang comedy. Like, you just want to hang with those people. I think I said that a little bit about Superstore, but I mean... Superstore is like kind of much more about being in a place. Like, I mean, you were just really hanging with those folks in New Girl. I, I do greatly enjoy that. Greg, I know you asked if Nick Miller was the best TV character. Maybe you were like a little tongue-in-cheek when you asked that. Uh, maybe not. It is, he is It's, it's he like is re- tremendous.
0: Maybe some recency bias, but, you know, I'm, I was very on board. The, the faces he makes, the things that he says, it, I love him. Love the guy, and I there, mean, people I'm sure there's... feel
1: really strongly like people some people just love Winston, some people love I'm... schmidt so i'll I'll say
0: Winston is my favorite character, but I mean he's we i think Nick's probably a better character
2: that's Nick yeah. is Nick is just i don't know, there is something so perfect about him, like he has serious moments, he has like funny moments, he's just like a silly guy, um that's fun. I don't know. I, he's definitely up there He's definitely up there
1: yeah it's tough and a lot of these sitcoms like the main character has to be kind of the straight one just like the the straight laced kind of um you know they're all the zany characters around him or her and the main character kind of has to react to them in the way that the audience would but new girl does a good job where it's like he's you know he's the leading man in that show and he's just as crazy as the rest of them, right? Like he's just as much of a character and they don't really like have, to, have to sacrifice his character just for him to be the main lead there, you know what I mean? So that's a, that's a real feat from New Girl. Well done.
0: All right, so what else is on for you, Tom?
1: So I feel, yeah, I feel like I've talked a lot about Superstore on this show. It's just Rose is watching it now for the first time, so I've been catching some of that. But what I want to talk about is tonight, the Oscars are on. And I don't know if you guys care about the Oscars. Um, not I was just, even a little bit. You don't. So I was just over at our friends, the Widmans, and they watched every single Best Picture nominee, which is a lot of movies. That's a, I think there were nine of them this year. And I don't even think I've watched nine movies in the past year. Like It has not been a movie-heavy year for me. I just didn't feel like there, were a lot of, there was a lot of new stuff coming out during the pandemic that really interested me. Um, I I'm I don't think I'm gonna watch the Oscars, but I am really curious to see kind of what wins the awards. I watched the front runner, Nomadland. I think I've talked about that on this podcast. Um, I, I've tried to watch some of the other ones, but I don't. Like Sound of Metal is is a movie that's kind of getting a lot of buzz for for maybe winning some awards. I thought it was just fine. I, I feel like my my go to. Just reaction to a lot of movies from this year was, eh, that was fine, and that was, other than Palm Springs, which deserves yeah. all the Oscars, yeah. um, but I don't know. I, I am curious to see kind of what gets the the wins. I mean, this plus it's,
0: year. it's the Oscars, so you never know they're, these are the people on on Rotten Tomatoes who are going <laughs> to tell you that that movies are good
1: when, when they didn't enjoy them. That's, that's who these people are. Like and last year, you know, Parasite won, and I think I think we all liked Parasite, yeah, we right? Did. Like it was that was a good movie. Um,
2: Paras Parasite was intense. Like Parasite was was one of those movies that like I get it, like I can see the acclaim and all of that, but it's not a movie I would want to watch a second time. That's
1: fair. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think last year for Best Picture there were a bunch of movies that I watched and that I enjoyed, and this year that really hasn't been the case, but. You know, hopefully we get a bounce back year for movies because I like movies. Yeah, and, and it's, movies. it's
0: tough because, like, movie theaters weren't open for the year. So you didn't hear about these movies as much as you would have, probably.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, Tom, Tom said he hasn't seen a lot of movies. And then he was talking about these Best Picture movies that he's seen and his opinions on them. And I had not heard of any of the movies that he mentioned.
1: I know. And that's funny, it's like they're all streaming, you can all watch them somewhere, whether it's on, on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime, like they're all available, but there's been no just hoopla, there's no you know, buzz around any of them. So that is just kind of a weird thing that, that happened during the pandemic and and hopefully movies come back, like the Knicks. Yeah. Movies? The so only movie movies the back.
2: only movie I've heard of in the last year is Boogie, and that's because there's commercials for it every Knicks game.
0: The Knicks, the Knicks are back, and we'll end on that note. We'll the Knicks are going to continue their nine-game win streak. We're going to keep building up. Follow Tom on Twitter if you don't yet. And I assume if you're listening, you're diehard, so if you already followed Tom. Follow us, talk to Knicks. Leave a review, five stars, because the Knicks are the Knicks are a five-star team, and we're a five-star podcast. So, thanks for listening. Go Knicks. Knicks day.